Good afternoon, Itaewon. Man, it's so good to be here, uh, not just on the screen, but here physically uh, with you guys and see your faces. You know, I heard a, a remark from our new Shilim campus. We just launched a new campus uh, last week. And uh, they were watching the video uh, of me preaching. And it was their first time experiencing that because they were used to, you know, face-to-face preaching because they were at the former Hillside campus. And uh, wh- I heard that they were, like, eating snacks. And one of them was like, <laughs> one of them was like, I yawned. And then I felt bad, but I didn't because I knew she couldn't see me. <laughs> So I texted her, (laughs) you yawn during my message. No, um, but it's just good to be in person, uh, here with you guys. I come, uh, bearing love from pastor Christian and both myself, uh, and, and baby, we all say hi and that we're glad to be here. Uh, I'm really excited to be with you guys and I'm just so proud of just this community. And I'm especially proud of pastor Marcus for doing such an incredible job, uh, being your campus pastor. Have you guys been blessed by his leadership? Uh, so it's exciting time uh, for this campus. It's exciting time for him. Uh, and God, the Lord is faithful. He is good. <laughs> Amen. All right. I want you guys to turn with me to Psalm chapter 37. And we're going to be looking at verses 3 to 6. Psalm chapter 37, verses 3 to 6. And uh, I just want to invite you guys to read this passage with me. Um, I'm reading from the ESV version, but from whatever version of the Bible you guys have, just read out loud, starting from verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noon day. Amen. And I want you guys to just briefly look specifically at verse 4. This is the word of God. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, this is a very famous passage because people love that latter half. He will give you the desires of your heart. You read that and you're like, yeah. And all of a sudden you're listening, God, this is what I want. I want this. I want this. I want this. I want this. These are the desires of my heart. Scripture says you will give it to me. And we completely forget about the previous line over there. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. This is something that I really want to talk to this community about today. Delight. My word for you today is delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself. That word delight, if you look it up, uh, actually in the original Hebrew context, it just says delight. So I'm going to look up the English definition of delight. And it says this, something that gives great pleasure, something that gives extreme satisfaction. Everybody say satisfaction. And the last is something that gives the highest degree of gratification. Pleasure, satisfaction, gratification. Pleasure, satisfaction, gratification. This is delight. And the scripture says, delight yourself in what? In the Lord. My question to you today is, what are you delighting yourself in? What are you concluding? This is the source of my satisfaction. I believe that this is a source of gratification. This is the source of 
my pleasure. Is it the Lord or is it something else? What are you believing to be the source of your delight? For some of us, it's more circumstantial. You see, when this happens, then I'll be satisfied. When I finally get my promotion or for some of you, when I finally get paid, I will be satisfied. When I finally get that husband, I will be satisfied. When I finally get that breakthrough in my family, I will be happy. I will be gratified. When I look like this, I will be gratified. There's all these things that we hope for and long for, but I'm wondering, are you looking to that as the source of your delight? Because if you are, let me tell you real clear right now, you are setting yourself up for major disappointment. Major disappointment. This is the truth. God has actually created you and I specifically, specifically to be satisfied only in him. He's actually created us in that way. That means whatever else we look to for satisfaction has destined to disappoint us. And let's be real here. Haven't we hoped for things, gotten it, and then was like, what, is that it? Or, or it was good for like a little bit, but like two months later, you're like, uh, yeah, um, I'm not satisfied anymore. Haven't we longed for something? And put all of our expectation, all of our desires, all of our work into perceiving to gain that. And then just, it just falling short. Like what really? Isaiah 55, two to three, turn with me. Isaiah 55. Verses two to three, man, I love, love this passage. Isaiah 55, verses 2 to 3 says this. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me Hear that your soul may live and I will make you, I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Why do you spend your money for that, which is not bread and your labor for that, which does not satisfy? If you're not sure what you think your source of delight is, then my question is, where do you spend your money and where do you put your labor? Where do you spend your money and where do you put your labor? You see, I'm, I'm right now 21 weeks pregnant. I'm going to be 22 soon. And so it's exciting. And a lot of you guys that know my story, I had gone through a miscarriage earlier in the beginning of 2013. And after I'd gone through that miscarriage, I was, uh, you know, really going through a tough time. But through the grace of God, I was able to uh, really see God with me during that situation. But nonetheless, the church, um, and including a lot of you guys here, had continued to pray for me, uh, continued to pray that I would be able to conceive again. And during the church-wide retreat, my spiritual parents came, and they prophesied over me that, you know, I would get pregnant. And it was all this epic, you know, it was awesome. But I'm going to share a little bit of the backstory of what happened personally to me during that time. After I'd gotten my miscarriage, I had become obsessed with getting pregnant again obsessed. You know, it's something to be told you have a baby and then find out that that baby didn't survive. You know, so I, I had gone through a surgery, um, to, you know, complete the miscarriage. And after that, I was like, all right, let's do this. It's time to get pregnant. 
I, I just wanted to get pregnant as soon as possible, as soon as possible. And so all of a sudden, every single month, I was like documenting every symptom, like every like, you know, oh, oh, you know, like maybe I'm pregnant or like, oh, I suddenly want like ice cream. I always want ice cream. I don't know what, you know, like, oh, that must be the sign. Or I just became consumed and obsessed. And I started going online and, you know, going to these internet communities and blogs that people were also trying to conceive. They call it TTC. And I learned these whole, like, list of acronyms, you know, like, you know, with electronics, they have all these terms. I don't even know what. I asked Pastor Marcus the other day, I was like, what's the difference between a megabyte and a gigabyte? And what was the other one? Yeah, yeah, that, you know, and he was like, oh my gosh, are you serious? Um, but I don't know those terms, but I do know TTC terms, you know? I know LO means little one. I know POAS means pee on a stick, you know? I know, like, you know, all these, like, crazy terms. Like, I, listen, there is a bunch, and I know them all. I've researched them all, okay? And so I just became consumed, and I started purchasing pregnancy tests, like, no other, like I dropped money on pregnancy tests, like for real. And at, at any sign, at any moment, I would just pee on a stick, pee on a stick, pee on a stick. It got so bad, I had to like hide from my husband how often I was doing it. So I just like wake up really early in the morning, you know, and like take a look and uh, be disappointed, put it back, throw it in the trash, but not tell him how bad it was getting. I was getting obsessed. I was getting obsessed. And you know, the thing is, God had promised me a child. And so in my mind, it's like, no, God, I'm just, Yoshimi, you know, uh, what is that? I am just, yeah, diligently working to, uh, you know, see your promise getting fulfilled. You know, I, I, I Christianized my experience. I said, you promised me this. This is what you want from me. You want me to be a mother. You want me to have a child. Therefore, this is just all, you know, acts of faith. Just faith. You know, I'm like, I'm so spiritual. It was, it was out of control. I was really, really starting to let this overtake me. And, you know, uh, all my journal entries, uh, during that time all had to do with like pregnancy tests or symptoms or disappointments or expectations or rewriting the prophetic words that I got about having a baby. Like it all centered around baby, all centered around baby. And I remember when it hit my birthday in April, God just straight convicted me. And I was at a Friday fire and he was like, I was worshiping with what I thought was all my heart. I was where it was an epic worship and I was worshiping God. And I just heard God's voice, not an audible voice, but I just felt like I heard him saying, why are you withholding your worship from me? And I was like, what? Like, do you not see me? Like my, both my hands are lifted up. You know, my eyes are closed. I'm singing every line. What are you talking about? And he goes, no, why are you withholding your worship from me? And I was like, no, I don't understand. I don't understand what you're talking. What, what worship am I withholding? I'm celebrating everybody that's gotten pregnant. I've celebrated everybody that, you know, has given birth and, you know, all these cute babies. I haven't held any bitterness or resentment. I'm holding on to your promises. What am I withholding from you? And I realized then and there, I had actually reserved a part of my worship for until I got pregnant. You know what I'm saying? Like until this gets answered, this is my little, I can't celebrate fully. I can't fully worship you. I'm just going to say this much for when it actually happens. And he just straight exposed my heart. And I thought, oh, oh. What are you delighting in? 
And in that moment, I realized I was delighting in the thought of me being pregnant more than delighting in the Lord. I realized then and there I had actually created an idol. And it's funny because it was a promise of God, but that promise of God surpassed my love for him. And soon I put it on a pedestal and I worshipped becoming a mother more than worshipping being a daughter of God. It was a rude awakening. It was a rude awakening. And I realized then whatever, whatever is causing us to withhold our worship from God is actually an idol in our lives. Is actually something that you've concluded, this is my delight. When this happens, this will be my delight. This all happened before I got pregnant. And I can't even tell you how thankful I am that this revelation broke before I got pregnant. The reason being is ever since getting pregnant, you would think that it's all like rainbows and sunshine and unicorns, you know, like finally her prayer was, were answered. Now it must be all amazing. When I got pregnant, I realized, oh, I'm pregnant and it's not as great as I thought it was going to be. It's actually pretty hard. Wait, oh, I can't keep this down. This sucks. Like, oh, this, this is uncomfortable. And that, you know, I, trust me, I am standing up here so thankful and so blessed and so happy to be pregnant. But if there's one thing I can easily confess to you today is this pregnancy is not the source of my delight. It's not. It can't be. It can't be. I would have been so disappointed and disillusioned. I would have put that on my own child. But God allow me to be awakened before this breakthrough to realize, no, no, let's get your priorities straight and let's cast down those idols. Let's cast down the very things you put on high places and let's put me where I belong. That was a huge breakthrough for me. So what, what's causing you to withhold your worship? What's causing you to withhold your worship? What has become an idol in your life? You know, when we think idol today, it's hard to, you know, really relate to that because when we read about idols in scriptures, it's about things that were shaped by wood or metal or in gold and carved out images. And while some people actually today still worship such carved out images for a believer, we're like, what? I don't got any of those in my house. I'm good. I'm good. I don't, I don't have any idolatry problems. I'm telling you, if there's something that's causing you to withhold your ability to delight in the Lord 100%, there is an idol in your life. And it may not be carved out in a little golden image, but it might be the desire for marriage. It might be the desire for a promotion. It might be a desire for this or for that to look a certain way or to have this and have that. Whatever it may be, there is an idol in your life that needs to be confronted and cast down. Because what happens? What happens when when we allow these idols to to be worshipped? You know, it sounds weird. It's not like we're worshiping marriage. Oh, we worship marriage, or oh, we. It, it doesn't work. We're not bowing twenty times to the word marriage. But there is uh, there is a desire. There is an understanding that we think that when this happens, we will be happy. When this happens, we will finally be satisfied. We'll finally get what we want. Psalm one thirty five eighteen. It says this, if you guys want to turn there, you can, but I'll read it to you. Psalm 135, 18. Um, Excuse me, starting from verse 15 to 18. It says, the idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. 
They have mouths, but do not speak. They have eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them become like them, and so do all who trust in them. Idols of the nations are made of silver and gold. Now, I'm telling you today, in our day, even as believers, we're subject to idolatry. And it may not be from silver and gold, but there's still something wrong about that. And look what happens. It says they have mouths, speaking of the idols, but they don't speak. They have eyes, but do not see. And they have ears, but do not hear. The moment we allow something other than God to be put on a pedestal in our lives, we become numb to what God is doing. All of a sudden, you go to service and everybody is like, oh, worshiping and getting all into it. And you're like, I don't understand what's going on. Why are they getting blessed? And I feel nothing. How is it that they think that this message is so good? Because to me, it's, I, it's just okay. I'm wondering, have your ears been clogged up? Has your eyes become hazy? Have you been able to receive? Is there something else in your life that you've actually been turning to? Because if there has, it's numbing you. It's numbing you. It's numbing you from being able to receive and to be able to delight in God. This is the truth. God wants to delight you. He wants to delight. He wants to satisfy you. He wants to satisfy you. He wants to gratify you. You know, there are certain types of Christians that are extremists and believe that we shouldn't experience any type of pleasure whatsoever. That pleasure is evil. That's not our God. Our God has designed it so that we long for pleasure, but ultimately pleasure in him. And it's not to say you can't have pleasure in being pregnant or getting married. That is all good. That's all God-given. But your source of pleasure, your source of satisfaction must be in the one thing that is unchanging. The one thing that is unfailing. The one thing that's actually eternal. And that's God himself. He wants to satisfy you. That longing that you have in your heart, he put that there. He's not trying to make you miserable. He wants to fulfill you. He wants to fulfill you. He wants to gratify you. You know, there's a young man that I met in Melbourne, Australia, and he told me his salvation story, and it was pretty much this. All his life, he had, I can't even say the American dream. I guess it's the Aussie dream of just success pictured in his mind. And he worked his Korean butt off to become successful. And he seriously just put all of his money, all of his labor in becoming a dentist. This was his uh, ultimate goal and desire. If I become this dentist and I have this lucrative job, then I can get the house. I can get the picket fence. I can maybe get a dog and someone would definitely want to marry me and life will be good. Okay. So he put everything, all of these desires on this pedestal and he worked for it. Let me tell you, he worked for it. And what happened was he finally became a dentist. He actually did the work. He passed the exams. He did the residency. He did all of everything, all the processes that were involved. And he became this dentist. Next thing, he bought a house. He bought his own house at the, at the age of early 20s. He was in his early, he was his only person amongst his friends that was owning a house at that time. Then what happened? He actually got a picket fence. I don't think he got the dog, but, <laughs> but he, got, he, he had this life. And, and I remember him telling me he sat there in his house looking at everything that he had, and he couldn't help but to be utterly disappointed. I just thought, are you serious? Is this it? That's what he said to himself. Is this it? I worked this hard to get right here thinking that this would just gratify me. And I'm, I'm still so empty. Is this it? And it was in that moment he started turning to spirituality. He checked out all these different religions and ultimately he found Christ and he became a Christian. 
If we're not careful, this is what happens. This is what happens. Are you delighting in the Lord or have you put your expectation in something else? You know, for a lot of you guys, a lot of young singles here, marriage is one of the things that you're really looking forward to. And I just want to share a little bit about my heart just to kind of pop the disillusionment or the idealism that comes with marriage. I'm going to give you guys a picture of a reality here, okay? I got married six years ago at 24. So I was quite young. Uh, I guess young is relative, but it, for a New Yorker, like nobody gets married in their early 20s. Like everybody thought I was crazy. You know, and I never wanted to get married early either. I wanted to live my life as this incredible single, you know, lifestyle and go on trips and go to Vegas and then go to Europe and then do all these things. And then, you know, when I'm bored, get married. Like that was like my plan. But when I met Christ, you know, that led to me meeting my husband and, you know, I was like, okay, yeah, I changed my mind. I really want to get married. And so I got married and it was great. But can I tell you, my first year of marriage, I went through a season of depression. And the reason why I went through a season of depression is I actually, looking back in reflection, I realized that I put way too much expectation on my marriage, especially my husband. You know, I had stopped being intentional about my close girlfriends. I thought, no, if I get married, he's going to be everything to me. So he'll be my friend, he'll be my cheerleader, he'll be my supporter, he'll always be happy for me, he'll always, you know, I just wanted him to be everything. Ultimately, I put the expectation of Christ on my husband. You know, I went to a conference in Australia and I, I got a chance to hear Tim Keller and his wife, Kathy Keller, speak. And they were getting interviewed about their marriage and one of the things that they said that we all need to look out for is putting the expectation of Christ on your spouse. And I was like, oh, I wonder what that means. And they were saying, it goes something like this, when you go home, And you had a tough day and all you want is to be greeted by a really, you know, in a good mood spouse. And how's your day, honey? And you met with someone that also had a really bad day. And they're like, oh, hey. And you're like, serious. Can't you just be happy so I can be happy? Like, why are you cranky right now? Why are you just, why are you stressed out about that? You know, they, they realized that they needed their spouse to be like Christ for them. They needed their spouse to have it together all the time for them. They wanted their spouse to be just like Jesus. In a sense, we are called to be, but that's a, that's a weighty expectation. Because as much as we're called to be like him, more than that, we're called to point to him. You will never be Jesus. I will never be Jesus. We are not the savior of our marriages. We're not the savior of our families. We're not the savior of our friends, but we do know the savior and we have a relationship with him. That's two completely different things. And so I had this crushing expectation that I needed him to be perfect for me. And I found out really early on that he wasn't (laughs) really early on. And I was like, what the heck? What's going on? He was really busy at the time. He was going to seminary. He was still part of KCCC, which is college ministry, and he was leading the church. He was doing all three at the same time. He would still in the habit of a single man of staying up late at night and working on things till four o'clock in the morning. So I'd go to bed by myself. Like, <sighs> you know, I mean, this wasn't all the time. I wasn't like chronically depressed, but I was like genuinely disappointed. <laughs> Like really. And I wasn't disappointed because my husband's not a good man or that he didn't love me well. I was disappointed because I put an unhealthy expectation on him. And I put an unhealthy expectation on marriage itself. I thought it was going to satisfy. 
I thought it was going to be the source of gratification. And then I learned, oh, marriage is just, it's a journey. It's a process. There's ups and there's downs. And if I make that my source, then I'm also going to constantly go up and go down in my ability to delight. But I had to learn very early on. God confronted me and was like, really? You're going to trust in Christian more than you're going to trust in me to be your source of joy? And I thought, "Mm, my bad. And I realized I had to confess. I had to literally repent of my idolatry for my husband. Can you believe that? I had to repent from my idolatry of my husband. I was worshiping my husband more than I worshiped God. And it wasn't like I all hailed my husband. No, it was because I was putting the expectation of satisfaction on him and not my heavenly father. So what are you believing to satisfy you? What are you working towards right now? What are you hopeful for? What are you expecting? What are you excited about? Again, marriage is good. Getting a promotion is great. These things we're allowed to delight over, and we should delight in them. But the source of our delight, the anchor of our delight, can't be those things that come and go, wax and wane, change day by day. It's got to be on the one true God. So what do we do? What do we do? If there are things, man, if I really look at it, there are some things that I place before the Lord. There are some things that I've been delighting in or wanting to delight in other than God. How do we handle this situation? What am I supposed to do? I feel hopeless. Or maybe you know it's been a stumbling block for your faith and you kept trying to lay it down and it hasn't been working. It still keeps popping its ugly head, you know, rearing its head over you and you're still left in frustration and disappointment. Listen, this is the gospel message. It is by the grace of God that we're able to lay down these idols. You can't do it by willpower. You can't even do it by the knowledge of it. You got to access the power and the grace of the gospel. That's the only way. If you recognize something has taken the Lord's place in your life, then it's time to get on your knees and to pray. It's repentance. That's all it is. Repentance. And you know what? Repentance is not, I'm sorry. It's not, oops, I know that, I know that this is not supposed to satisfy me. I know I'm not supposed to be thinking this way. Repentance is a one-two punch. It's one, no, Lord, this is not true. I lay it down. And two, it's, but I believe in what's true. Repent and believe. Repent that this has been an idol in your life and you want to see through the grace of God it being cast down and then believe that the Lord is your delight. Believe that he's the source. If you don't follow the repentance with the belief, it's going to come, this is going to come right back. In another form, in another shape, maybe in the same exact way. Repent and believe. God wants to delight you. He wants to gratify you. He wants to bless you. When I first came to Korea, I worked with SMOE. I don't know if it's still called SMOE, but it was the public school system of Seoul. And I worked as an educator. I I taught fifth and sixth graders um, for the first two years here in Korea. Um, English. And I was like those nomadic teachers that didn't have their own classroom. I just like rolled a cart. And then like I went from homeroom to homeroom. And then I had a different, you know, co-teacher and taught the same lesson 12 times because I had 12 classes of fifth graders, 12 classes of sixth grade. So we sang the same songs all day. Do you want some more? Do you want some more? Like just all day, just English songs and same, like it, it was just 
and I had always thought I wanted to be a teacher. Like it was like reality. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know about that. Um, but for, for those two years in the beginning, it was fun, but eventually the, the newness and the excitement faded out. And what I was left with, with was I was really unhappy at my job. And one of the reasons why I was so unhappy at my job is I had a bit of a personal conflict with one of my co-teachers who taught half of my classes with me. So I had 12 classes with this, you know, teacher and we just, it, it would like, there wouldn't, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. And I was still, you know, very immature in, in my faith as well. And if I look back, man, I did not handle that properly as well. I was very passive aggressive. I was, I felt, in, I allowed her to bully me, but I never confronted her. You know what I mean? Like I was constantly intimidated. I always felt like I was walking on eggshells. Like it was so stressful, but I never like spoke to her that, Hey, this is not okay. You shouldn't be talking to me like this, or you shouldn't be treating me like this. Like I never said anything. I just, you know, like buried it in my heart and complained about her like crazy to everybody else. Like anybody else that would hear but her, which is ultimately gossip. That's pretty much what gossip is guys. When you talk about someone else and you haven't even talked to that person. And so I just gossiped and gossiped. And, you know, at the time I was dating Christian and he, a poor guy, every day it was like, oh, how was your day? Well, let me tell you what happened. I'm like, this lady, she, you know, I just like went on and on and on and on. And I, I couldn't wait for the day for my contract to end. Like every day was like, I can't wait 30 more days, you know, 29 more days, 28 more days. And I really, I really see that God was testing me during that time. And I epically failed. Like if I, if that was a test, I failed. Like I didn't get a D, I didn't get a C, like I got a straight up F because I did not know how to take joy or delight or do anything that I needed to have done. I allowed the enemy to rob me for that whole year. When I look back on it, he robbed me and I let him, I saw him come in and his little, I don't know what the enemy looks like. I don't know. I don't know why I'm all sudden like this, but I saw him come in and take my joy. I saw him come in and take my peace. I saw him and come and take my, um, joy and you know, all, all of those things. And I just, I just let him do it. I just let him do it. I just let him rob me. I just totally failed that test. And you know what? I put all my eggs in this basket. Cause as soon as my contract was going to finish, I knew I was going to start ministry. So I was like, man, I'm frustrated because I'm a minister. You know, I'm going to go and I'm going to preach and I'm going to do this college ministry and, and I'm not fit for this, you know, teaching thing. And this is not my call. That's why I'm not happy here. This is not my call. So when I step into my call, it's going to be all good. You know what happened? As soon as I stepped into college ministry, I was miserable. I was miserable. All of a sudden I was like, wait, what? Why is this so hard? Wait, what? I didn't wait. No, I thought, Hey, wait, I mean, like, I was just so confused because again, I put an unhealthy expectation, even on my call to satisfy me, even on what I did. I, I was like, when, once I start fulfilling this, everything's going to be okay. I wasn't seeking God. I was seeking work and it's, you can Christianize it. Cause I was doing ministry, but ministry is not meant to fulfill you either. Ministry is not designed to be your source of satisfaction. If you think, oh, I'm going to be a, a activated and a CG leader, community group leader, and now I will be satisfied. No, you're in for a rude awakening, a rude awakening. Cause there's going to be a whole lot of things that happens when you're a CG leader that makes you go on your knees to cry to the Lord and be like, why me? But in that moment, you're going to know that God's been with you. 
when you turn to him, all of a sudden you get the strength that you need. And all of a sudden things that are even difficult, you can turn into a delight because you're going to the source. You're going to the source. So what are you waiting for? What have you been counting down the days? Some of you guys, it's summer vacation. Like you just had vacation. Now you're like, dang, I can't wait till winter vacation or, you know, summer vacation or whatever it may be. No, God wants to delight you and he wants to delight you today. He wants to delight you. He wants to delight you right now, right now. And it's not through your circumstances and it's not through answered prayers and it's not through the things that you think will satisfy you. It's purely 100% through him. Here's what we have to learn. He is our great reward. When you believe that Jesus is your great reward, man, man, no matter what you go through, you have learned the secret of Apostle Paul. I can, I found the secret of joy in all circumstances, in all things, when Jesus is your reward. But so many of us have turned Christianity and our faith as, as a utilization uh, of getting what we want, tangible things for what we want. I'm a believer, so now I can believe for this, and when I get this, I will be satisfied. No, that's not Christianity. Christianity is I'm a believer, and therefore I can reach for this, I can believe for this, but whether I get it or not, I will be satisfied. I will be satisfied. Jesus is your great reward. It's hard for us to believe that sometimes. I know. I know. I'm standing here as a lead pastor of this church, and I confess I've struggled with this time and time again. I've, I've continuously looked to other things to satisfy me. And you know what? I've been continuously disappointed. Whether it's people, whether it's opportunities, whatever it is, I've been disappointed. And you know what? God actually allows you to be disappointed. He's not... Some of us, some of you guys are praying like, Lord, I'm so disappointed. And he's like, mm-hmm, yeah, you are. Like he allows you to wallow in that, minis- that misery for one reason, because he's trying to point you to the one thing that will satisfy. You're thinking, oh, take me out of this misery. Take me out of this pain. Bring me back to a place of joy. And he's like, you know what? You need to go to the right source. Come to me. Come to me. He is our great reward. So you know what? We need to stop holding God hostage to the desires of our heart. Let's first delight in him. First delight in him. And then watch how he answers your prayers. You know, I'll end with this. You and I were actually created for eternity. This life here on earth is actually temporary. You know, sometimes we, don't just, we just don't live life like that, right? Don't we kind of think like everything needs to happen here and now? And there are so many longings that God placed in your heart that are God-given longings. Deep, aching desires that he placed inside of you. But he actually did, he reserved some of those longings to never be fulfilled in this earth. Because he's designed it for us to be fulfilled in eternity. There are some things that won't be satiated here in this lifetime. There are things, everything else will be working great for you. Everything will be put in order, but there will still, still be a little bit of yearning inside of your heart. And he did that with purpose because it's said in Revelation that the church is going to be crying out. The bride, which is the church, is crying out Maranatha, crying out for the bridegroom to return. There is 
a longing that Christ put inside you and me that we will always feel until Christ returns back to this earth. So even the yearnings in your heart that you you can never satiate, I'm telling you, it's God-given. It's God-given. And when he's your reward, he's also out of time. God's not bound by time. He's outside of time. Therefore, if God is your reward, if God is your source, even the things that you know, God, this is probably not going to get fulfilled here on this earth, yet I can still hope in you and believe in you for it because you're taking me to eternity. Everything else is going to pass away. My husband and me, we're not going to be married when we go to heaven. Scripture says that marriage is not going to be in eternity. I'm not going to be, oh, you know, holding his hand up in heaven with our mansions. No. I actually, sometimes I think about like what it would be like, like if I would recognize him, like, oh, hey, former husband, you know, like, what's up? Like, I'm going to go over here. That's awkward. No, I, I'm not sure what it's going to be like, but I do know that he's not my husband eternally. He's my husband for this life, but he's not my husband for eternity. I do have a husband in eternity and that's just Jesus. That's just Jesus. Everything else will fade away. Even your ministry is going to fade away. Even your, your calling is going to fade on this earth. It's going to fade away. Even the things, the tangible things, the relationships, the fams, all of that is going to fade away. But there is one relationship that is true and eternal and it's Jesus Christ. It's our relationship with him. So we got to make that our ultimate reward. Scripture says that if you diligently seek him, you will find him. You will find him. But what have you been diligently seeking? What have you been going after? This is not um, meant to just weigh you down. I really want to lift you up. Because those desires that are in your heart are not evil. They're good. And the longings that you have, those are also not evil. Those, those are God-given. But I want to say two things. Only God can fulfill those longings. Only God can fulfill those longings. And two, everything else, let's lay it down. Let's lay it down. 